2: be honest I will put myself in the same category as we Now, our
3: test jumped over the scores table
0: our is in the stands this man was a bona fide scrub he can't play. when I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league I'll put a gun to my own head.
2: Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast presented as always by draftkings.com it is Tuesday november 20th and if the nba season ended today the clippers and the grizzlies would be the top two seeds in the western conference james yeah
1: it's pretty wild uh it's it's kind of every single team in the west really except for those two has had their bumps in the road you know and and yeah uh You know, the Clippers, I think, were kind of an obvious like sleeper, sleeper, like eight seed type of pick before the season. Like you and I didn't go there, but like there were people that like thought that they could be in that mix for one of those playoff spots. Uh, I think I had the I think I had the over on the Grizzlies at like 34, 35 or whatever it was, but definitely didn't think that they were uh, close to a viable playoff uh, contender just based on the other teams out there, but um, I mean, they're, from every every Grizzlies game I've watched, which has actually been more than zero, uh, they've looked they've looked really good defensively, and I, I think that that is something that's pretty sustainable as long as they can stay healthy. Uh, they just make it really really difficult for you with their you know four or five best players who are all uh, above average defenders and then the clippers obviously just have so much more depth than everybody else and uh the pieces seem to really fit so um you know hats off to those teams
2: i don't know if they can keep it up but uh they're they're playing really well right now it feels like we over these last few weeks have just like been like anointing different teams in the West. Like two weeks ago, I think it was New Orleans, we, we decided it was maybe the second best team in the West. And right now they're ten and seven, they're in sixth. Uh, it was Portland last week. I mean they're technically tied. Uh, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, uh, and the Trailblazers are all eleven and five at the top of the West as of Tuesday morning, but by virtue of <clears throat> whatever tiebreakers the NBA uses, the Clippers are, are technically first. I think you put it pretty well in terms of the clippers like i wouldn't say you and i were down on the clippers like not not many people really were but it was more of a this is a team that would probably be like the fifth six seven maybe eight seed in the east i think they would have they would have been the clear six seed i think sure. going into the I think season they, right yeah like I mean, them, probably, them versus the pacers like it's pretty right. pretty even right there i think two months ago i would have said the pacers were a better team now it's looking like it's a pretty close matchup, you know, I mean, I think the Clippers would solidly be in that like four or five, six area in the East. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, like you said, I mean, I think we looked at this team and it was, it wasn't so much like a, a referendum on the Clippers as it was like the West was so deep that even the, you know, the Clippers could put together as a very good year, you know, a, a, a year that in, you know, in a normal Western conference would maybe get you 45, 46 wins. But I think it was, it was just going to be so deep of a conference that it was really hard to see them leapfrogging a team like new orleans or denver or even the lakers i'm still like right now on november 20th if i said over under eight seed for the los angeles clippers do they make the playoffs uh man that's that's tough i question I've... On a lot of people's minds <laughs> So they're in first place, but they're only, you know, the eight seed right now is nine and seven. So it's a two-game difference. So I think that the... So, like, let, it, let's just go
1: by the teams that are, like, out and that are probably going to get in. Like, the Rockets are on the outside looking in. I think they get in. Yeah, I'm back in on the Rockets. Uh, let's see. The Spurs and the Jazz are both on the outside looking out. The T-Wolves are on the outside looking out. Uh, I think... I think the Jazz end up with a better record than the Clippers, but I think the Clippers end up with a better record than the Spurs and the Timberwolves.
2: Uh, I don't know, is there any teams we can cross off in the West besides Phoenix? I'm getting close with Minnesota. I mean, I want to see how this plays out with Sarich and Covington, but i it's really tough for me to see them kind of getting back into the mix.
1: Minnesota's <laughs> Minnesota's uh 7 and 2 at home. Uh yeah, 0, and, they, 0 and 8 on the road. Are they defeated on the road? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I I mean, I can cross off the Mavericks and the Kings. I I don't know if you can, but I I don't even uh, really yeah. care what their I, record I have is the like, Kings crossed off in okay. August. Okay, good. Uh Sorry Kings fans. Um so we can cross off the Suns,
2: Mavericks, the Kings, I think I think we can cross off the Timberwolves too. Yeah. So that's I mean, as shaky as all the teams that you just mentioned—Houston, Spurs, Jazz, Lakers—even the Nuggets are ten and seven now. Like Minnesota is still like a rung below them. Can you cross off the Spurs? No. Okay. They're eight and eight. Wow. Well. I mean, it's not looking good. They did <laughs> give up one hundred forty last night to the Pelicans. It's a weird Spurs team. Like I, I feel like this is a more talented Spurs team than last year. I mean, obviously, I think the loss of Murray. I don't. The, the line I of depth of point guard, is hurting them. Battery. I think
1: the no, the no Murray, the no Danny Green, the
2: no like they. they I just feel like Danny Green. Like numbers wise, was not that good last year. Maybe he just has more value in the Spurs system than he does elsewhere. Well, Just the the type of
1: defenses you could play with Murray yeah. and Green versus the type of defenses you could play with you know what what they're running out there right now. Uh, I think the word you're looking for is Bryn Forbes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Lamarcus Alders just had a really bad start to the oh season specifically from like a efficiency standpoint. Like you sort of expect him to hit He's shoot at forty two percent from the Yeah, field. you you expect him to be up to like forty seven, forty eight, forty nine. Fifty. I mean we had uh, we had him projected at like a conservative fifty, fifty. I more. mean if if he shoots below forty five percent, then he's just a a straight up net negative right. when he's out there. So I
2: mean, when it comes down to the Spurs are a bottom ten defense in the NBA, which doesn't happen to the Spurs. I think the the only team that's in the bottom six right now of the
1: west Kings, Spurs, Jazz, Mavericks, Timberwolves, Suns The only one of those teams that I am strongly not willing to write off is the Jazz Like I I I would be It would be pretty easy for me to label those other five as As teams that aren't going to make the playoffs right now Um, So that still means that one other team has to fall out
2: Yeah well that's the thing is you look you start looking at the top eight and it's like you know, I mean, you can. To me, the Clippers and the and the Grizzlies, which you know, sit one and two, are still the two shakiest teams out of those eight. Um, and you know, I mean, the way we're talking about this is, you know, a little bit hyperbolic in terms of, you know, it's like these teams are running away with the West right now. I mean, it is so bunched up. It, it is similar to last year. You know, I think last season, Golden State and Houston were kind of on their own level at the top, and then you had these eight or nine teams who were all separated by a couple games now it's just everybody in the west is separated by a couple games if i told you
1: the grizzlies because to me the big thing with the grizzlies and the clippers is just health uh if i told you both the grizzlies and the clippers have really really good health the rest of the way with their key players are you saying they're in or are you saying they're out because i it's easy to just say well If mike Connolly misses time or if marcus all misses time the grizzlies are going to fall out But what if they don't like I I think that they are a really good team when they're fully healthy But they're just they have such a thin margin of error when it comes to injuries
2: No, very true. I think that's more true even for memphis Um, I Mm. mean history suggests Basically the last decade of history that if those two guys are healthy and they both play 70 plus games the grizzlies are a playoff team Um, and you know, certainly the west maybe hasn't been quite this deep during the the duration of that run but I, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost Spurs like in some ways. I mean, like, Mike Conley's never even been an All Star. Like, there's really n- not a whole lot to suggest that, you know, like, numbers wise, like, you know, it's just, it's tough to quantify, I think, what he means to this team specifically. Um, and it's showing, you know, yet again this year, despite the fact that, you know, he's putting up 20 points a game, a little under five assists, or excuse me, a little under six assists, which fine numbers. He's shooting 41% from the field, but they, you know, they just find a way to make it work. And those two guys are healthy. And we should say Marcus Saul has bounced back pretty nicely. I mean, I think last year, mm-hmm. what they asked him to do, you know, with Conley out and with that season kind of going in the tank so quickly, he ended up not really playing the same way that we've seen, you know, hyper efficiently in, in previous years. He shot 42% from the field last year, 34% from three. Um, you know, really wasn't getting the looks I think he wanted. Now he's back, you know, up 45% from the field, 41% from three. Scoring is actually down. Uh, But he's looked a lot better overall. So I mean to to go back to your original question. I think if Gasol and Conley play 75 games The Grizzlies probably get the seven or the eight Uh, but to me that's still kind of a big if because they they don't have the depth that the Clippers do elsewhere, you know, I mean their their two guard and and wing situation is still Very iffy to me, Um, you know, Garrett Temple, I think has been a nice addition for them but you start looking beyond that and you know, Sheldon Mack is playing a lot of minutes. Uh, he's Dylan Brooks. He's look good at times. Yeah. Sheldon Mack's look good at times. Sheldon <laughs> Mack is averaging ten or eleven points a game and shooting over fifty percent from the field um so
1: i i really just think it's gonna come down to health and i think you can go right on down the line like i mean we've we've really never seen damian lillard miss significant time um but like obviously that would be be big for the blazers but uh like if if russ or pg miss time the thunder are are gonna have a hard time Mm -hmm. getting in if uh you know if any if Jokic or or uh, several of the nuggets wings miss time. They're going to be in trouble. Obviously if anthony davis misses even just like eight games between now and the end of the season that might be enough to knock yeah, them out You know the lakers are Probably the toughest team to really kind of figure out of all these teams for me uh, But like the rockets, I think they're gonna kind of cruise to a playoff spot now but if uh you know for whatever reason harden misses a couple weeks and chris paul misses like a month and that might not be the case uh the jazz really can't afford any sort of setbacks between here and, and the end of the season so i really think health could just dictate it and like we mm-hmm. we still haven't seen Danilo Gallinari miss any time this season for the clippers uh that sort of always happens i mean with that's not even an exaggeration he pretty much always misses 30 plus games at some point so lock it in uh it really might just come down to, to who has the most health or the best health uh, the rest of the way between these eleven or so teams that are,
2: are legitimate playoff contenders so to wrap up the West, um, you know, like we said eleven and five currently gets you first place in the west, three and thirteen is the basement, um, but the, you know the next worst record is seven ten so you're really only looking you know, at a pretty minuscule is at four and a, four and a half games I think separate first and fourteenth. Is that more reflective of some of these teams like the spurs like the jazz um, minnesota probably belongs in that category Starting more slowly than we expected not playing as well as we expected or is it more of a reflection on the west is Just as deep as we thought and everybody's just beating each other up night to night I think it's reflective
1: of the teams with the absolute most talent Having sort of the biggest issues early on with whether it's just personnel or injuries, uh like the warriors the rockets the you know the jazz the jazz uh are all off to way worse starts than anyone would have expected and then the teams with kind of the continuity uh like the blazers the grizzlies the clippers that were kind of thought of more in that sort of seven seed to like 11th best record in the west type of range they've had just perfect starts to the season so it's just Everything's just really bunched up because the teams that had the potential to separate themselves have failed to do so, and the teams that people were kind of sleeping on have gotten off to better starts than anyone expected.
2: We're in the midst of week six of the fantasy basketball season, and once again, we've partnered with DraftKings to bring you RotoWire 6 months memberships for free. Here's how it works: go to rotowire.com, <clears throat> excuse me, slash DraftKings. That's rotowire.com slash DraftKings. Sign up for a new account on DraftKings and make a $10 deposit. That's right. You'll get six months of access to all the tools and sports on rotawire.com, which includes our DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, full season draft software, and much, much more. And again, that's for all sports, not just NBA. You get all that for $10, which you can then enter into contests on DraftKings to win even more money. If you want access right away go to rotowire.com slash draft kings and follow the instructions again that's rotowire.com slash draft kings eligibility restrictions apply new draft kings users only see draftkings.com for details patino watch <laughs> steve kerr <laughs> uh no i i think it
1: he like blatantly lied uh, in front of the camera like the other day, which I, which might be a first uh, for him. Where like someone asked him, like, "Have do you guys talk about like Durant's impending free agency?" He was like, "No, no, we never. Who's free? We, we, we never. We never talk about that. Have that guy locked up." <laughs> um, so <laughs> uh, that was interesting to see. But no, I, I mean, I think he's
2: he gets away with more than any other coach. He's fine. What What do you mean? Like he can just do whatever he wants. Like there's no nobody calls him on anything. Maybe that just comes with winning three titles. And I mean, what would you call him on other than his horrific uh, center rotations?
1: Stuff like this. Well, what's he lies. supposed to do? Like, what's he supposed to do though? Like, yeah, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, it's, you saw it's us brutal. talk about it on the bench <laughs> during that Clippers game last. But week. like his job, <laughs> his job, like any coach's job, yeah. there is to try to like stop that. From like spiraling even <laughs> further out of control Like if he says yeah. anything other than that Then it just mm-hmm. turns into like two more days worth of worth of story there five, I mean I, he's not quite on Patino watch Let's just say that If uh, they
2: lose tomorrow against OKC Still no step. <laughs> this is the great. Like I wish this game Was in OKC so bad It's at Golden State mm-hmm. But this would be This would have been Like the crown jewel Of all mm-hmm. of these Russ Durant matchups No Curry I mean we could Russ- have had We could have had Malice at the Palace 2.0 oh. <laughs> Well we sure could have I mean We should bring I was going to wait till the end To bring this up But yesterday was The 14 year anniversary Of Malice at the Palace I'd be remiss If I didn't mention it At this point <laughs> Durant and Draymond Green Just like in the stands Like going after Going like after Fighting people. each other <laughs> Um do you think we'll ever see anything worse than that? I can't imagine we will. No. I I rewatched it. There's just the... too much there's too much to lose if you're a player oh, right. uh and you were to do that again. But well what's strange is like it happened in 04, obviously, and it involved two very good teams, like arguably the two best teams in the league. I remember maybe. the Pacers people like this should
1: never be forgotten with regard to the Malice of the Palace. The Pacers that year, like they were legitimately my pick to win the NBA Finals yeah. that year. Like they were loaded and uh like so that there's no kind of understanding just how talented that Pacers team was prior to uh, all the fallout from Alice at the Palace
2: yeah I mean you know it'd be one thing if the Kings and the Suns got into a fight you know like that's when you talk about guys with nothing to lose like (laughs) that's what happened you know this was an accomplished veteran laden Pistons team yeah you know two very respected you know rosters and organizations that went at it I mean obviously the NBA cracked down pretty heavily after that uh i don't but like i don't think that's what dissuades anybody from from getting into an argument like that it was just like the confluence of personalities on the court i mean like if you could pick two people to spark a brawl ben wallace and ron artest were probably in the top five in the league at that time rasheed wallace being involved jermaine o'neal steven jackson jamal tinsley like you're not we just don't even have we don't have
1: a four guys like that that could possibly be playing in the same game together anymore no, those like guys where... have
2: been this is not even a joke like those guys have been completely phased out of the league yeah. when matt barnes retired that might he might have been the last one they've been doing a really good job at the rookie symposium yeah too good of a job i, <laughs> like, I want more of these guys in the league. Like, there needs to like, bring, bring like junkyard dog and and charles oakley in to like teach some of these guys to kind of breed the next generation of ron Artest. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't think we're going to see something like that again,
1: Uh, but um, Yeah, I mean that that's going to be a fun game. I don't really care for watching the thunder play But I also I mean the warriors aren't that fun to watch play when Steph's out. So uh, it's going to be kind of a
2: it's going to be kind of a slog, I think, relative to the amount of talent involved. So, Shannon, we were just talking about Mouse at the Palace. You're a Pistons fan. Uh, you're older than me, so you probably remember it a lot more. What was that like uh, as a Pistons fan in 2004?
1: It was amazing. I was at a college party, and we were watching the Pistons <laughs> game when it happened, and it, it was shocking. And at first, we thought it was cool, and, and then it was horrible, because <laughs> that, that's just bad. It can't happen. But yeah, it <coughs> It was the one of the weirdest sports nights, like watching sports of, of my life. Yeah, and well, that was that was even like pre like Twitter and all that God. stuff, and it was, it was still welcome. like everyone was talking about it like yeah. that very night. You know, it my was, mom it was knew about it
2: like that's kind of back then. <laughs> that's how I judged when something was a big deal. Like when my mom would sit me down and be like we need to talk about what happened in that game you were watching last night. It was like that and like the Tiger Woods like. Like, I remember that was, like,
1: a Thanksgiving dinner, like, conversation where people were yeah. talking about, like, do you see what happened with Tiger
2: Woods? Yeah. Like, like really that, kind that of... That Tiger Woods, yeah, <laughs> that one. Well, Vows at the Palace also happened six days before Thanksgiving, so it was perfectly timed mm-hmm. yep. for, you know, holiday banter. Perfect, perfectly timed for, <laughs> for family holiday banter. I went back yesterday and rewatched like, the original footage, you know, the, the tapes, mm-hmm. and... I mean, there were, like, five different high points of Malice at the Palace. I mean, there's, like, the the most iconic shot, you know, is obviously Artest laying on the scores table, mm-hmm. getting the drink thrown on him. That's not To me, that's not even the craziest part. Like, Jermaine O'Neal... That, that's my favorite. My favorite part is Jermaine O'Neal just
1: completely leveling the guy that looks like Turtle from Entourage. Yes, like, <laughs> it
2: very well may have been Turtle from Entourage. <laughs> he was saying something to him. Jermaine O'Neal sprints full speed down the sideline, and, like, just at the last second slips... And if he didn't slip That guy would probably Not still be with us Right Still clocks him in the face Caught him pretty good But really probably only got Like 70% of what he wanted That was a big That was a big swing Yeah There's another one Where Ron (laughs) Artest is like Face to face with another Pistons fan who kind of Looks like Turtle (laughs) And this guy is like Really like right in Artest's face Like challenging him Somehow thinking that The guy who just got Out of the crowd Wasn't going to punch him He like gives Artest A little shove Artest obviously doesn't move Just winds up Clocks him in the face Guy goes down His friend looks at Artest Like what the hell man yeah, it was, you a, expect to it was a big night for short, husky, drunk fans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not really too worried about the Warriors. I don't think anybody is. I think that this I, – I, I think Draymond and Durant could continue going at it throughout the year, and at the end of the day, it really wouldn't matter. No, I, right.
1: I don't think so either. I think that they, they could be vulnerable if they're dealing with injuries in the postseason, but if they are fully healthy um, – Specifically with with staff. I mean they're they're they could get beat by Any number of teams I think in a postseason series if steph isn't healthy, but uh, if they're if they're fully healthy They're gonna win the title
2: Well, the worst thing to come out of this I think for durant is that they've lost without steph and like I don't I don't think this should be really a, a referendum on durant necessarily, but you know, I think there's kind of been this like side debate mostly between warriors fans I think of like who's more important who's the better player and i would still take durant i mean i think it's really really close and it it, that might change like night to night but then going
1: don't you but okay i think there's just two distinctions there's who like if you're just thinking like a game of like one-on-one or even just like sort of pick up like in like a drew league type setting you take durant but I honestly, truly believe that Steph is more important in yes. terms of wins and losses to this team than Durant is.
2: Durant's a better basketball player. Steph Curry is a more valuable NBA player. Yes, I think that's. Accurate. I think that's a correct take. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, the Warriors going what one and four now, one and three without Steph isn't exactly a great look for KD. No, it,
1: it's yeah, it's 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 kind of it's entertaining to watch, I guess, and this will be a. Uh, you know if, if the I think almost the best Case scenario in this game is the thunder win And westbrook Has a big game but it's like Close enough that he's still Fired up after the game yes. that he that There's a bunch of really se- you know Celebration and like Really like big time hugs and big time like elbow pounds on the mm-hmm. court and like it, Everyone's just really fired up and then the sad warriors like walk away like that That probably makes for the best like tv uh,
2: If like the yep. thunder sort of act like they just won the nba finals after right, that game yeah. But um it's impressive that these matchups I mean we're uh, we're going on year Three of this now and they've like they Russ still gets up for these games yeah, like when lebron went back to Cleveland for like, he doesn't have anything else time, to get up for yeah right like most <laughs> Most of these type of you know rivalry, these his biggest games of the year like He's, like, much, he's not gonna yeah. play any big games Yeah I think this, this has <laughs> all the makings of like a Russell Westbrook 45 15 and 10 game but he shoots like 14 of 41 from the field and has like eight turnovers but the Thunder somehow win right That's the that's the ideal scenario yeah I think the NBA should move this game to OKC were we going to the talk? <laughs> they should. They should flex it to OKC. <laughs> uh, were we going to talk wizards at all, or is that like not a? Uh, yeah, as you can see here uh, on the document, it says wizards. Okay. Um, the doc. I don't really. I mean, I just want to address the the report from last night that. John Wall used the F word, right? Yeah, Directed at his head coach, Very he, cur- he cursed at his head coach. He used a curse in a, word in a practice setting. Yeah, I don't like that. The wasn't F- even news to me. Like it would have been news. It would have been bigger news if Woj came out and said that John Wall had never sworn at Scott.
1: It's, it's really that's kind of the big bombshell here is that this is the first time this yeah, year that he said that. It took, to Scott it took 15 <laughs> games
2: for him to say "F you, to Scott Bradley. Yeah,
1: um, but like the yeah, I mean the way more what I meant is like the way more fascinating thing is just like now they're quote-unquote like open to trading john wall it's like yeah of course you are um them being open to trading bradley beal is relatively newsworthy and uh kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. domino that could fall because he's just such a perfect fit on all the good teams right because he his skills translate perfectly into a playoff setting so if a good team adds him and doesn't have to give up A a ton of now value to do so then that's that's a big piece
2: Well, right and I think it helps it helps these theoretical good teams that might want to add brad Beal that the wizards are a disaster Like the more the wizards lose and fall out of playoff contention The more likely it is that they want future pieces Which means that you're not giving up, you know, if you're the bucks, for example you know, they like the Wizards wouldn't want Chris Middleton, who is expiring this year. You no, know, somebody that, like that. There's a, there's a lot of teams you can just rule out. Right. Like, I mean, that's like, not the greatest example by no. any means. But, like, they don't want a Chris Middleton-type piece. You know, they no. want a future piece. But so the reason I think – I don't think anything is going to get done with
1: Brad Beale, like, even in the next, like, two months, just because, obviously, like, if you're running the Wizards and you're in charge of kind of uh, embarking on this rebuild slash teardown, you want to trade – auto porter and john wall before you trade brad beal like it just that's how it would work right like you you want to see if you can possibly unload john wall first and foremost like whatever it takes get him get him off the books and then you kind of see what happens like after you move him after you move auto porter are those straight up salary dumps are you able to get like a a nice piece you like back maybe in the auto porter deal and then maybe you don't even trade brad beal like if, if you can get once you see what happens with those two trades then it kind of lets you know whether you have to trade brad beale or not or whether you can feasibly try to build around him still uh but trading bradley beale first just kind of gives you zero uh leverage at all with any sort of john wall or Otto porter Mm -hmm. trade not that you really have any to begin with with the the wall one but uh like Otto porter at least like if you trade him now uh It might not necessarily have to be a straight-up salary dump whereas if you've already traded Bradley Beal uh teams just really have no incentive to offer you much of anything for him so I that's why I don't see Bradley Beal getting traded before uh the deadline just because I think that it makes sense to kind of unload the less desirable pieces first but uh, maybe they just come to a conclusion that they can't unload those guys and that Bradley Beal is the only one they can move and it would make sense to move him sooner than later in that case
2: the Wizards to me don't deserve the benefit of the doubt when it comes to <laughs> stuff like this. You know, I mean like I'm not just gonna assume they're going to make the right decisions um, but you know, I mean we'll see. I think a lot of it with Beale depends on what's being offered, which is a bit of a cop-out answer. But if the Lakers get desperate, if they're sitting at twenty-five and twenty-five around the trade deadline and they feel like they need to offer Brandon Ingram or Kuzma or something like that, you know, I think maybe that's a deal that Washington just kinda has to pounce on because you know you're not gonna do better we'll see i mean i think ideally you do trade wall but i mean i was talking to to shannon who just made that cameo earlier last night about this and he you know as a pistons fan was like you know i'll take him you know like where we have nowhere else to go you know it's going to take a team like detroit which basically did, already did this with blake griffin um you know saying like we, we we're looking at our our avenues to get free agents you know we're not a destination we don't have a ton of cap room this is the only way we're going to acquire someone like john wall who you know with his wards is still a pretty good player um obviously the contract you know is going to become more and more of an issue but there are certain teams out there that just don't have paths to acquire players like that and those i think are the teams that washington's going to have to target
1: yeah so other than the lakers is there another obvious team that has the need and the multiple young pieces because i don't think there's any team that just has Like, unless, like, the Celtics were willing to make Tatum available, uh, which they won't be. uh, Jalen Brown? Like, is there another team out there that has the multiple young pieces to
2: put together a competitive offer i guess the celtics Mm -hmm.
1: are probably the the next most
2: obvious well that's the thing you kind of want to start that bidding war i think you know you want you want the celtics to be bidding against the lakers for someone like Beale. i mean it's the it's a total opposite conversation as we just had about wall like with wall you you almost have to talk about him as a salary dump even though he's a good player um but i mean beal yeah, you know, I mean I think the like, teams that would make a lot of sense and would want him just don't necessarily have the right assets. You know, Milwaukee is one we talked about. Like I mean Toronto has a lot of pieces, but I don't know which of those well, you're willing to give up and, and the, have to give up multiple. The problem is the the other problem with like a team like Toronto is
1: Bradley Beal's contract is is it's very favorable for a team right now just given the yeah. current uh financial climate, but for like a team like the Raptors the the young pieces you'd probably be willing to include are guys like og Ananobi, yeah. guys like maybe pascal siakam those guys barely make anything compared to bradley Beal, right. so it's just tough to kind of structure a deal that mm-hmm. makes sense which is why the lakers actually do make sense because all of their uh does that well ingram and ball specifically mm-hmm. make enough money because they were high enough draft picks that if you combine them yep. you can make make a deal that works
2: yeah, I mean a 2 for 1 for a team like the Lakers or a team like the Celtics who kind of have too many guys would make some sense. I mean, you can look to the West. I mean, I think I love I'm sure Houston would love to have him. I I don't know if a package centered <laughs> yeah. around Eric Griffin or Eric Gordon. I uh, just gets don't it think done.
1: they, they cuz like to me Bradley Beal's like at least two times more desirable of an asset than jimmy butler was probably more like three times more desirable just given the length of team control and i just think he's a better fit as a supporting piece on some of these teams than jimmy butler would have been uh like a team like the nuggets might have the pieces but he doesn't really fit like they kind of already have uh Mm -hmm. their bradley beals like the clippers would love to trade for him but they don't have that one asset that can really headline a bradley beal deal uh you know, I, I I just don't there's just not a ton of other options I think you're really talking about the celtics and the lakers as yep. just the teams that could pull it off um in like I want to ask you as someone that uh has Interest in how good the lakers do this season like How big of a package would it have to be for you to not want to pull the trigger when you're just talking about a combination of young players going back to the to the wizards for bradley beal like
2: so what would scare me most about that as a lakers fan for the last four (laughs) four months or so now um what would scare me most is that you're cashing in your chips too early with anthony davis potentially becoming available and i think that's what's going to maybe be on the mind of the lakers and the celtics two teams that i think are probably leading the charge in terms of you know projected to to be in on davis like i is a really good player I it would it would be very representative of what team what LeBron teams have done in the past is kind of trade long-term viability for short-term help and certainly Bradley Beale is a way better player than Rodney Hood or Jordan Clarkson or Isaiah Thomas or whoever they've traded for in the past um, but if you're giving up like let's say Ingrams included you know if you want to get in on Davis that means you're giving up pretty much the rest of whatever young assets you have left I mean that's going to take theoretically josh hart and uh kyle kuzma you know if ingram's gone in this deal like to me you know you're really going all in on kind of your backup choice uh but at the same time you know if you don't pull the trigger on beal he goes somewhere else and all of a sudden you don't get davis then you know for the second straight year you're kind of left with nothing so it's a tough spot i mean i i think the lakers will certainly poke around i i also think they're not going to be willing to just go all in for Brad Beal like they would be for Anthony Davis. The Anthony
1: Davis thing is just weird to me because I don't, I don't see any way that the Pelicans accept defeat with regard to him. um, Prior to like the earliest I could see them trading him is the deadline before his walk. That I
2: do agree with it. It's starting to get talked about as if it's an inevitability and as if he's almost said like I'm leaving. He's never said that. I mean, there's I think they if you're the Pelicans, you have to take this as long as you can Yeah, Until he it, gives you a definitive. I'm not coming back. You especially have to he's
1: coming back Especially since he's a good enough player that like you could go You could go to multiple western conference finals with him before he's a free agent and you know Who knows like at, at that point whether or not that that sways him into like liking the the players he's playing with but like he's good enough Right now to carry a team to yeah. the conference finals so i get i get wanting to hold your chips for davis i i sort of have a, f- a feeling that um you know he might just go to the lakers as a free agent like i mean i think that that's the sort of dream scenario for them uh and they don't have to give up assets right. to get him i mean but
2: lebron's right. like coming up on 36 at that point you know, like they'll well, put this done now. Sure, but they're not going to get it done now. Uh, the right. soonest they can get
1: Anthony Davis is maybe a half season before he's a free agent. So, right. so we're talking next deadline. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, Bradley Beal would just be, uh, you know, he he's kind of in that. He's, he's not as good as like Prime Wade. He's, he's. No, he's not. He's. Yeah, I don't. I mean, prior to Kyrie hitting that shot in game seven, I would say that he's right there with where Kyrie was when he was with the Cavs, but then Kyrie hits that shot and he kind of gets thought of differently. But, uh, I mean, he's right there sort of to me where with, with like prime Bosch in terms of just how much he helps you win in a postseason series. So I, I just think that there's, uh,
2: there's a very, very short list mm-hmm. of players LeBron's played with that are better than, uh, Bradley Beal is right now. No, I agree. I mean, I, I think you said it best right away. I mean, all 30 teams, including the Wizards, you know, want to keep this guy. Like, there's not a team out there that would that would say, you know, for the right price, we don't want Bradley Beal on our team. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, Markel Fultz is taking a week off. He's meeting with some sort of specialist doctor man next week to look into potential issues with his shoulder. Um, very unclear at this point if this is some sort of posturing. He only played, I think, seven minutes in their game last night. T.J. McConnell, you know, ended up playing a lot of minutes in the second half of that game, basically taking over his spot um, Landry Shamit has kind of emerged as their as another option. They're playing over Fultz so it seems like a a combination of maybe there is actually something wrong and some frustration, you know in the wake of this Jimmy Butler trade But we're not going to see Fultz now for a few more games I don't know I don't know where this goes next. It, nothing would surprise me. I mean we've talked about Fultz extensively on this podcast and it just seems like week by week he his value just continues to plummet yeah i mean this is probably a decent thing for
1: uh the sixers in the short term just in terms of uh, how they're going to play on the court but uh awful for them in terms of trying to trade him and you know maybe just maybe other teams just had zero interest in taking him on Uh at the time of the jimmy butler trade and they just couldn't have moved him but uh like just the idea of them trading him right now even for like terrence ross like i suggested seems like a it would be just a a big time coup
2: by the the sixers you know (laughs) magic magic hang up the phone (laughs) um you want us to give you terrence ross yeah it's it's bizarre uh it is there's no other way to put it it's i mean it's a 30 for 30 waiting to happen is the way i keep thinking about it you know it's and it it just doesn't seem like it's getting better. I don't know. I mean, the best case scenario right now, I guess, is he goes to this doctor next week and they find out, "Hey, you have a nerve issue and that's why you're you know, your th- your free throw is looking like a Charles Barkley golf swing right now." So, I I, I think like that's you can't, you kind of want there to be a medical explanation if you're the Sixers, right? Cuz then you can for your own comfort or for his trade value, you can say like, "Hey, you know, once he you once he gets this taken care of, he'll be back." Uh I mean, I don't think that there is a
1: i don't think there's any scenario that helps his trade value other than him playing in games and looking better
2: like well yeah of course like if, you know i mean i think you would you would rather there be some sort of medical explanation than none at all
1: well you could make up a medical explanation they already did
2: that <laughs> was all last year it yeah. didn't work i um,
1: trying it again breaking news james wiseman committed to the Memphis tigers so
2: oh yeah yep uh, yep saw that one coming go, I, go memphis I heard I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not but a couple of weeks ago I was listening to the CBS College Basketball pod which I know you and I both like and I think it was Gary Parrish noted that like John Calipari over the past like 6 months has gone to like extensive lengths to try to get James Wiseman <laughs> out of the city of Memphis like right. he was trying to like arrange for him to go play his senior year in Las Vegas right. just to keep him away from Penny uh, and basically avoid this exact situation but I mean congrats to you as the biggest Penny fan I know I guess yeah yeah, congrats to me. If you don't know uh, who James Wiseman is, number one player in the class of 2019, I would say if, if somebody was putting together a 2020 mock draft, he'd probably be number one right now. So pretty big get for the University of this. I,
1: I used to be a big uh, Arizona basketball fan um wait what the Did amount that, is that over the amount of turmoil they've been through recently i i haven't announced this on the the show Not yet, yet. Mm-hmm. i'm i mean the the Memphis tigers are ever since penny took over it just seemed like an obvious sort of stepping stone for me uh, to jump off one it's sinking plan, ship yeah. and jump onto one uh, rising ship and and this is going to be uh i think we go back to mephis state it's gonna be i yeah i'd, I'd love that um i mean that they're gonna be a legitimate like they're gonna enter next year as a
2: as like a top 10 team maybe a top five team so uh it should be a good time they are going to be very loaded very quickly in a conference that for them should be pretty winnable i think we're kind of it's gonna look a lot like it did 10 years ago when calipari was there you know in the short term at least uh do you want to talk about the celtics does that interest you at all they lost again last night i i think that uh we should transition to the Fourth best player in the Eastern Conference because yes. I think that kind of ties in. Sure. Sure. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I have some fill-in-the-blanks for you. I'll start with this one. Assuming some combination of Kawhi, Giannis, and Embiid are one, two, and three, the next best player in the East is Alright, and I said
1: I kind of made you include Embiid. Um
2: Originally, it was just going to be Kawhi and Giannis, and I was just like, well, it's Embiid. You're right. Embiid has clearly solidified himself as a top three guy.
1: Um, This is just a really, really, really tough question. Uh, I could hear arguments for four players. Uh, I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. Well, who are the four players? Uh, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, and Victor Oladipo. Not Ben Simmons? No. Okay and i would have said ben simmons before the year i just white howard <laughs> brad brad Beal. um no i think i think these are these are players who uh either from past performance or, or performance this year deserve to be in this conversation ahead of uh those other guys okay. and i think jimmy butler it's it's just going to be really tough to see how I, I don't think the pieces fit all that well Right now in Philly as we've talked a, About quite a bit over the past uh, Couple of weeks but uh, I would Still of those Guys I think that He Contributes to to winning More than than the Other guys yeah. uh, I think it's just so Close though I I wouldn't Fault anyone for picking any of those other Other three but I think that those are The kind of clear four guys in This conversation
2: i think you're right on a, on a single season basis like just for the rest of this year i think there's an argument to be made for butler certainly um yeah i don't i don't know if i'm trying to think if there's anyone else i would add in i mean colin sexton's looked pretty good these last couple <laughs> of weeks i don't think he's quite there we should mention trey young had 17 assists last night he's not in this conversation but that's a lot of assists i mean the the guy's sort of <laughs> he's not in this conversation the guy i mean like just want to clear that up you know, the, I, I just think the rest of
1: the guys are kind of in a tear down, like Chris Middleton, Blake Griffin, both having good yeah. seasons, like, but those guys aren't in this conversation. Drummond. Uh, <laughs>
2: drummond. That was good.
1: Um, I mean, I think in like a year, Josh Richardson could be in this conversation. I think if he'd never gotten hurt, I think in a year, Karis LeVert could be in this conversation. But I, I mean, we're just talking right now. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah.
2: I like Josh Richardson. I think he's, he might, he's starting to become maybe a little overvalued. Like he, his 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 profile has been raised by like the heat not being willing to give him opportunity. Right. Well, Butler. think how many like casual NBA fans didn't know
1: who Josh Richardson was. Still before, don't know.
2: Yeah, probably still don't know. Like oh, Jason Richardson, you mean? <laughs> Wait, yeah, you mean is <laughs> so that Jason's, Jimmy, Jason's? I love son. I loved him in the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a few more fill in the blanks well, for who, you. What's yours? I think uh, right away I would have said Victor Oladipo, but uh, there's certainly an argument to be made for Butler. I watched Kyrie put was it 43 on the the Raptors the other night and uh, nobody can really match him in terms of point guards and shot making did you watch Kevin Walker last night I did and well we were talking about this so it was the whatever the ESPN podcast is called now Uh, it's got a terrible name but it's a good podcast yeah great podcast and Tim Bontemps you know, kind of out of nowhere, it was just like, I think Kyrie Irving is a, or excuse me, I think Kemba Walker is a better player than Kyrie Irving. And that, that drew some laughs from the panel. I think Kyrie's better. I think it's pretty close. It's much closer than I would like to admit. And there are certainly nights, uh, last night being one of them, where Kemba Walker is a better player.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, this is kind of hard to sort of, quanti- I mean, it's impossible to quantify. I think Kyrie's a better fit on the Celtics than Walker would be but I think Walker is lifting this Hornets team to places Kyrie wouldn't be able
2: to lift them well like, that was kind I, of Bontemps argument was like switch those two guys like is does Kyrie make this Hornets team a like, 50 win team I think Kyrie puts up crazy numbers on this
1: Hornets team but I don't think he helps them win as many games as Walker helps them win but like on that elite elite sort of stage of like a team that's got NBA finals aspirations I'd rather have Kyrie just because I've sort of seen it before. But, like, the idea that Kemba Walker would be scared of, like, the moment or wouldn't make big shots, I mean, we've seen him. I mean, he he's i can remember him hitting as many big shots when you go all the way back to college as i can like almost anyone in the nba save like the top three or four guys so i i think the idea that he wouldn't be able to handle a big stage mm-hmm. is flawed but just the fact that we've sort of seen Kyrie and not even like hit shots like that that one in game seven but just the ease of which Kyrie can get his shots in the playoffs mm-hmm is something that you kind of have to see it to sort of buy into it with a guy like kemba i, I yep. think it's possible that he could do it but um i think that he, i mean he what he's done with this hornets team which is just kind of a, a if you take him off this team i mean it's it's one of the worst might
2: teams go in the league. yeah
1: um like he just makes everyone around him better in a way that i don't
2: think Kyrie would be doing if if they switch mm-hmm. spots James, did you know that two-thirds of men lose their hair by age 35? I did not know that. Okay. Well, if you start to notice hair loss, it's not too late. I have a couple more questions for you. Do you want a bald spot to pop up, or do you want to do something about it first? So I'd much or- rather do something about okay. it first. Do you want your hairline to recede, or do you want to do something about it first? I I this would probably want to do something about okay, it first. Okay, you would. All right. Well, luckily, there's 4 Your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care... And sexual wellness for men. This is not some sort of sketchy product you can pick up at a quick trip. Nothing against quick trip. I love quick trip, but you know, sometimes I'm not not going there for my hair loss treatment. No, certainly not. I'm going there to get gas. That's what I'm going there for. HIMSS connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. No waiting room, no awkward in person doctor visits. Just go to forhims.com, answer a few quick questions, just just a couple guy questions. Love a real doctor, review your answers to get you the right prescription. 4HIMS will then send the products directly and discreetly, James, right to your door. Order now. Our listeners get a trial month of HIMS for just $5 while supplies last. You can see the website for full details. This is something that would cost hundreds or even thousands of dollars at a pharmacy. Again, to order now, just go to 4 and use our URL, 4 RWBasketball. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com slash RWBasketball fourhims.com slash basketball. i have a couple more fill in the blanks for you and then we'll do some prospect stuff quick and get out of here donovan mitchell is a top blank player in the league looking for a number here yep uh not basketball player all right
1: i'm gonna say 30
2: is that a larger number than you would have said yes. two months ago yes
1: mm-hmm.
2: by about
1: by about 10 spots yeah
2: yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to list the 29 guys who might be ahead of him, but I mean, closer I would, to 35 than 25. I'm still. I would like to say I'm still very high on Donovan Mitchell. I think you probably are too. But he's he's in like my top five of guys who I expected to look a lot better through the first 15 or so games of the year. I mean, Tatum's certainly on that list as well. Uh, but he all all Ben Simmons too. All, yeah, all three those of those guys, guys are having uh, the dreaded sophomore slump. Yeah, which. I, I really didn't see this coming for any of them. I didn't either, like at all. I, I thought Ben Simmons was just going to come back and be like an MVP candidate, honestly. And he, yes. I mean, he's been like they've—they've they've all been good, you know, by second-year player standards. But I think they were almost too good as rookies that they maybe set the bar uh, a little too high. I'm gonna throw in a little little fantasy
1: nugget uh, for right, the listeners. I'll sleep this out. Um, I offered Ben Simmons for Luka Doncic in the rotowire staff keeper league uh contracts are fairly similar and was rebuffed so who would have saw that coming um i mean maybe that says more about Doncic than it does simmons but uh yeah it's i feel like before the season that would have been a laughable uh
2: thing Mm -hmm. to have get denied but that's that's kind of where we're at right now the team in the western conference with the best chance to beat the golden state warriors is
1: i'm sticking with the pelicans
2: uh i think that they
1: if 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 they're you know fully healthy in the in the playoffs i think that they are going to be a really really tough out i think Anthony davis uh might be the best player in that series which i don't think any other team in the west has a player that they can really say that about other than the, the lakers and i just don't see them um being in that kind of tier in terms of Mm -hmm. hanging with the warriors uh i think drew holiday is one of the maybe the best option to put on either clay or or steph uh, to slow them down in a series i think uh they just have a lot of interesting pieces and um yeah it's kind of just the anthony davis bet Mm -hmm. like could he average like 41
2: points per game in that series possibly sure could (laughs) this is maybe an argument for an entirely like separate podcast but I think there's a case to be made that right now like the the top top tier of the league is as good as it's ever been and if you if you just want to do like the top five players Mm -hmm. which I mean I don't you know that list is even up for debate but LeBron Durant Curry Davis Giannis and like Kawhi is maybe number six Right. We're talking like the reigning MVP is. We're not crazy. even talking then, about Harden. We're not talking right. about Embiid, like Russ, uh, yeah, Butler. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think whatever order you put those top five, I think you'd be very hard pressed to go back and find a better even like let, let, like even just that top six. I would say like that that six. And that, that doesn't that even include Harden, right? Who had arguably the best offensive season yeah. ever last year.
1: There's never been a crazy. time in NBA history where James Harden would have been the seventh best player
2: right that's a very good way to put it i mean even someone i mean somebody could make the case that uh, or whoever you want to say if right. that seven is the seventh best player that even Embiid. would be like, yeah. Embiid beat is like, like probably number like nine or ten yeah. right now there's not a, any other time in history that that guy would be nine or ten i mean there were
1: plenty of times within the past like 20 years where that guy would have been in the top two you know
2: yeah i mean you go you like, go back to like oh seven those like Kobe, like Nash, MVP years, like that, Ugh. like MVP. better. Steve Nash would have been the 50th best player in the league during <laughs> his MVP I, I, I year. How dare you. And <laughs> just for pace. Um, <laughs> okay. The player that uh, the general public is down on but you still believe in is? Uh, I'm going to say Please Jamal say
1: Murray. Ah. Um, I think that that's cheating a little. I think that anyone that's down on Jamal Murray is way off base whereas there's other guys where uh, I think it's kind of more obvious that people are down on them but uh, yeah Jamal Murray okay. I, I think is just kind of there's been some growing pains this year obviously the incident with with Mike Malone um, but I still think like a year from now we'll be talking about Jamal Murray as one of the best young players in the league okay
2: fair enough the bad team with the brightest future is the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks. And that is pretty much solely because of Luka Doncic? Yes, they have the best young player. Okay. There's an argument to be made for the Suns, but at some point you have to see results. I mean, we're going on, what, year three or four? I don't think any of their good players are winning players, like right, other than like, like McCall Bridges. Like, they have like <laughs> the best collection of like fun young players who just don't contribute to wins. Right. Like Devin Booker and uh,
1: DeAndre Ayton, that's just going to be such a... Kind of hilarious duo to see sort of evolve because They might never win 40 games like as teammates together They're gonna somehow have a worse year this year than they did last year and they and they're gonna put up ridiculous numbers like it's kind of a I mean, it's kind of like the the timberwolves before the jimmy butler trade where Mm -hmm. it's like wiggins levine towns like they're all really cool young players with like tons of pedigree tons of athleticism and awesome numbers and like none of them
2: contribute to winning it's like stafford and megatron (laughs) (laughs) okay last two the worst move of the 2018 offseason was uh i'm gonna say the kevin love extension the, i'm not gonna fight you on that one
1: <laughs> i mean what can what what were the other like that one i kind of i
2: did a little bit of research yep. and i kind of came across that one i was like oh that one probably yep. i think the lakers letting brooke lopez walk is up mm. there probably not it's not like <laughs> egregious threat level midnight yeah. uh bad move but not a great move uh what else there i think like for the most part the most of the moves that that teams made were like generally reasonable i mean there's there's a bunch of just kind of minor oh, ones like jabari parker i was gonna say it. like that
1: like i thought about that one it's like yeah that was bad but like in the grand scheme of things yeah does that really well it's not like they signed him to a five-year yeah game. what does that do to the bulls yeah really i mean it, it's it was stupid it, mm-hmm. it's look it looks bad now um but yeah i i think the kevin love one is just you know that's that's yeah. set your franchise back like five years level bad
2: yeah there, i don't know if there's another one that's been that egregious i mean the mellow signing short-term bad but really not going to have any long-term effects flip side of that best move of the 2018 offseason so i decided not to
1: count the lebron one i know that thank you it's it's just it was such a clear foregone conclusion and it really had nothing to do with like the lakers being smart you know it was just like <laughs> Lakers you uh, saw something in lebron all, and other teams <laughs> all 30 teams want lebron he chooses the lakers i'm not going to give the lakers credit for that um <laughs> uh, so i'm going to say the Kawhi leonard trade uh, yeah. by the raptors because i think that that you know it's it's a super super impactful uh you know like we just said like top seven player in the league mm-hmm. and they made a gamble and it wasn't even like the players they gave up like i think you could argue the DeRozan contract was not even a, a net positive in terms of uh, just how you'd want to mm-hmm. uh, allocate your, your money if you're trying to win a title. Uh, so they get off of that, you know, Jakob Pertle, clearly the lowest of their like four or five top young assets. And so they didn't have to give up a guy like Siakam or Ananobi. And then they kind of make a. So, I mean, you probably just do it even if you know you're only getting him for one year, right? Mm-hmm. And, but. I think that they also sort of were betting on, you know, Toronto's not a bad place to, to be an NBA player, like to be an NBA superstar. You can make a ton of money in endorsements there. Uh, it's a fun city. And it's a place where he can be the best player on a title mm-hmm. champ, you know, a championship caliber team. And I think that there's a. If I were putting the odds right now, I think that there's at least like a 40 50 percent chance he resigns there So I think that that is just the type of swing and not every team had the type of setup that the raptors have where they could have uh convinced him to stay um to such a level, but I think that it was just such a Awesome move by them to really kind of take what was going to be kind of a yeah This team's gonna win 50 games But we know it's not going to do anything in the playoffs to all of a sudden this team Might be the favorite to go to the finals It's
2: kind of like a no news is good news scenario with Kawhi in toronto in terms of keeping him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think There's like to me like you would know by now if there were some issues Yeah, like if he Didn't like the fit of the city or the teammates or anything about the team Like the fact that nothing has come out I think is just Good for Toronto as long as you don't have to address this, you know, and things go well, well on the court. Just first in the East, yeah,
1: it looks like a fun team to play
2: on. I mean, it, well, it's well, go ahead. Well, like the
1: compare the the Caliber of players he's playing with now to like the the te- teams he was playing with in San right. Antonio, where well, it's, it's just like freedom too. Well, it's like him, him, and like Dejounte Murray and maybe Danny Green are like the only like you know athletes really on those teams. That's all. Like. Now he's just surrounded by young guys that are going to continue to get better around him. I mean, it's just such a more kind of appealing situation. He's in
2: the exact situation that every player in the league wants to be in, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same situation that Kyrie is in. It's the same situation that Jimmy Butler wanted to be in. You want to be the best player on a really good team, which... When you're you're, Kawhi's a better player than Kyrie and Butler Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit easier for him to be the best player Because there's maybe only four or five guys better than him But someone like Kyrie Like this is the exact situation you want You want to have your own team Mm -hmm. But when there are ten better players in the league than you You know it's tough to win So you you have to kind of find this perfect situation Where you have a super deep roster that's really good But no Mm -hmm. one is also better than you on that team It's a situation that that Durant's going to be
1: looking for This offseason and he's not going to really find One better than Toronto Like Toronto I mean it's just the perfect situation for a guy of Kawhi's caliber to step into Mm -hmm. and uh you know they they are so good that they can just continue to rest him on uh half of each back to back the rest of the way just to preserve him because like why why risk it you know like why especially if you're trying to bring him back like you the last thing you want to do is have him get hurt again on your watch so uh they're good enough that they can probably get the one seed and um, be pretty diligent mm-hmm. about resting him.
2: So I think Kawhi's the right answer. Other candidates I would throw out there: um, the Bucks bringing in Lopez, the Bucks bringing in Connaughton, the Bucks bringing in Ersan <laughs> and the bucks letting Jabari walk. That might be number well, 1. Well,
1: that was their best move of
2: the offseason was right. letting cuz if they don't let Jabari walk, I don't think any of what's happening no. is happening. No, exactly. Like I'm I'm only half kidding about that one. Like them letting Jabari walk was a bigger deal than the Bulls bringing him in, right. if that makes sense. That was a bigger positive for them than it's a bigger negative for Chicago. Where would you rank uh the Mavs trading up for Doncic? I mean that, I mean, it's certainly the right move like, It's very clear to me that Doncic is better than Trae Young But it's not like Trae Young has been a complete disaster And they mm-hmm. also gave up another pick So I think it's going to end up looking okay I, I still, In 10 years I think we'll look back and say Wow they probably should have kept Doncic But I also don't think it's going to be like a complete Would, fleecing Well how about this uh,
1: What's worse, the Kevin Love extension Or the Kings passing on Doncic? King's passing on Doncic, okay. I, mean, so I should have said no that. matter what. Yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, then. that was pretty bad because uh, that that that. I mean, the Kevin Love thing. I like. I said it sets the franchise back five years. I mean, the passing on Doncic and mm-hmm. taking Bagley uh i mean that sets a franchise back yeah. like 12 years it's a franchise that had already been set back <laughs> like, like you're it to just become extra. you had a you had an opportunity like and the, like bagley's
2: not contributing to this nine and eight king start uh, like kings the kings are like but they're playing for like 2035 <laughs> <laughs> they're all building toward that well they'll, look they'll get the next notch yeah a couple other underrated signings i think nick stauskas in portland has worked out about as well as that possibly could have worked out julius Randle, who had a triple double last night um out of the Pelicans. I love that one. he's been awesome i mean Mirotić was acquired last year obviously but mm-hmm. he's been incredible he has like 15 double doubles in a row uh and then for those kings bielitsa i mean Bielitza is the one who's been huge for them mm-hmm. um when you know i mean bagley's contributing i mean he's playing like 20 minutes a night off the bench but he's not contributing in the way that you would hope given how this team has played yeah i mean those are just not on that same yeah. sort of level But but very good moves Alright quick prospect stuff We got Duke Auburn tonight Duke dismantled um, wait, Who did they play yesterday We were watching like, San Diego State yep. um, They look pretty good They're still good Gonzaga plays Arizona UWGB <laughs> The Phoenix take on Bull Bowl, Bowl in Oregon So a lot of A lot of prospects to watch Hachimura obviously from Gonzaga Bowl at Oregon The three guys from Duke Auburn's a top 10 team So this will be Probably the toughest test That Duke will face mm-hmm. Given how the Kentucky game went um you know i mean nas little i think hasn't i think if you're a casual nba fan you probably haven't even heard about nas little yet even though he's a projected top five pick because he's coming Mm -hmm. off the bench still for unc um i know you've kind of put together a preliminary top 15 and we don't have to dive into this but if there are a few names that you want to pick out from there and highlight
1: yeah well i i think the i think the top four is pretty settled until until further notice and might might kind of stay settled for the next like two months and i have zion at at the top spot now uh rj barrett at number two Nas little at three and cam reddish at four i think uh that's just like if the draft were today i would take zion first but there's the like he can't really show the flaws that maybe we sort of thought might might have been there over the rest of the season for that to kind of stay the case. Uh, whereas, like, R.J. Barrett's just a, a no-doubt awesome pick. Like, you'd mm-hmm. love to get him into your organization. Uh, but Zion's just showing uh, a level of of two-way upside that I just didn't
2: really see being there. Does it matter uh, who gets the number one pick, do you think, for those guys? Like, are you looking at Zion on Barrett? Like, if you're phoenix you're like ah oh, we don't need barrett we already have booker like is that a thought at all or you just wouldn't they the just as available? easily say we don't need zion we yeah. already have aiden like- well i don't know like, that's what i'm asking like are both of these guys versatile enough that they can just fit yeah anywhere?
1: well that's yeah so i don't think it it might matter like i think there probably will be unless I, like unless zion just kind of not only keeps this up but maybe even gets to another gear Uh, And continues to get better I could see that there being a case where Zion's number one On all 30 teams boards if that happens But uh, most likely There's going to be at least Seven or eight teams that have one of them and not the other atop their mm-hmm. board, so I think it matters in that sense. But both of them are just so easy to integrate. Yeah, like RJ uh, Barrett, you have a 290-pound forward. RJ for Barrett might be the easiest draft prospect to integrate since Anthony Davis. Like it's just you yep. just you plug him in as your two, your three, your one. Like it doesn't really matter. Right. Like he he's just out there on the wing. He's handling the ball. He's playing defense. He's uh, shooting the ball. So I mean, he's super easy to integrate. Zion, I think you know if if he kind of reaches his peak he's just the perfect modern day five uh and he can fit next to like a, a bigger guy he can fit next to a smaller guy like i think that they're both just super easy mm-hmm. to integrate so i think it's just going to come down to, to preference and not
2: need i think zion williamson is going to be the easiest sell to a fan base ever mm-hmm. like even i mean any fan like if the Knicks gets number since one lebron fan. really right yes i, mean, I agree that that's
1: gonna be because he's he's more famous now than any prospect was at
2: this point in the calendar since lebron yeah i don't even think it's close i yeah. think i think odin was a pretty big deal mm-hmm. in what was that oh7 wait i mean durant was. wasn't even like durant wasn't at this level no. and no. probably wasn't even at this level in like march no 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 i mean he was great but that texas team wasn't high profile enough like they weren't yeah. the number one team in the country and he
1: was just and he was just doing awesome stuff but it was just you you
2: kind of needed to appreciate it no. on a different level than the Zion. Well, he stuff. also I mean he was the number 2 player in that class but he wasn't you know the times were different back then like nobody you know nobody there were not ubiquitous Kevin Durant highlights all over Twitter mm-hmm. or and whatever MySpace at the time. And like I we've we've said like I I think Zion the last dunk I
1: mean he's a better dunker than than even Blake was but like Blake was the last guy that was this good of a prospect and this good of a dunker yes. and like zion's fame right now compared to any of blake griffin's college fame is just it's not even uh, comparable so yeah
2: i mean as soon as he gets into an organization like those jerseys are gonna go crazy they're gonna yep. sell a ton of tickets it's an minutes. easy sell yeah. um i mean i'm looking at looking at other prospects in this range like romeo langford is certainly someone to watch from indiana he's been a lot of fun so far six six can kind of do everything kevin porter Similar body I've I've watched him At USC Reminds me a lot Of Lance Stevenson The way he plays He's super athletic Super aggressive Sometimes he crosses Over so hard That he just like Kind of falls over And stumbles but then every now and then he has these plays that you're like my god like yeah. you very rarely see finishes like this moves like this so we we've already got i think Kev, kevin porter i think is officially one of your guys
1: sure. and uh Bull ja, Bull is one of my guys too john ja Morant uh from murray state is officially one of my guys yeah. and we will continue to collect guys throughout the season did
2: but you know there's another luca in this draft I did not Luka Samanich Samanich Excuse me A forward from Looks like He sounds good Yeah looks like he's (laughs) playing in Greece Uh, Olympia That sounds Greek Right (laughs) Yes, <laughs> yes. <it does. laughs> can we confirm? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we don't have to go in depth on any of these guys, well, but you know, there's a lot of college basketball this the, weekend. The thing
1: I would look forward to, like if you're listening to this, it's probably uh, you know might be Wednesday, might be Tuesday, but like might the be the Gonzaga Duke game that will probably happen in the uh, Maui Invitational. I don't think there's anything that like the Duke guys can really, you know. I mean, it'll just be fun to watch them. But Rui Hachimura uh, for Gonzaga. Is kind of a fringe lottery pick right now And if he shows well against duke and and their athleticism Then I think he could climb his way, you know decisively into the top 10 If he just looks completely outmatched then that's gonna mm-hmm. kind of have him tumbling down board So I think this is a huge game for him and just kind of whether he looks like he belongs In
2: that mix with those guys or if he's just a clear uh tier or two below mm-hmm yeah i mean darius garland at vanderbilt you know somebody that i'm sure college basketball fans and diehard draft people know about but he's certainly someone to keep an eye on as well it does seem like it's going to be a pretty deep lottery class and then it's going to drop off quite a bit after 13 14 15 ish but we'll see yeah and i and i almost think it
1: might drop off after the top like eight uh you know, right yeah. now I think you can say that it's deep, but I think that there's gonna be warts that kind of emerge on yeah. some of these guys that maybe aren't there right now. Uh like with, with I have Quentin Grimes ranked fifth just because I am I am one hundred percent confident that he will shoot for a high percentage from three, but like Romeo Langford and Keldon Johnson could jump Ahead of him if they shoot well from three mm-hmm. But if we get to draft day And like Kelton Johnson Shooting like 26% from three Or Romeo Langford shooting 26% from Three then all of a sudden those guys are More kind of in that like 8 to 14 Range and maybe not in that Same
2: sort of tier as a guy like Grimes Alright we'll wrap this up Have a fun Thanksgiving James I don't know what, what you have planned um, But I'm sure it's going to be a good time It will be are you, Are you traveling anywhere? Uh going to Milwaukee to
1: uh Milwaukee? where's that? My family's and my in-laws uh both live there so
2: oh good stuff. Uh, killing two birds with one stone. Yeah, I'll be back in the greater Green Bay area. Uh there's a local heavy metal band playing at a bar called the Slammer Inn again. Nice downtown downtown <laughs> nice so if you want to come up and check that out that's Saturday night, a local heavy metal band.